Sure, I could have stayed in the past. Could have even been king. But in my own way, I am king. Hail to the king, baby. Hey, everybody, here we are back again. It's, once again, just your two dads. It's me, it's a guest. And we're going to talk about some stuff. I don't know what yet. We're going to learn that together. I'm here with Eric Herrera, and he's come to share his story of fatherhood and life. And like always, we will tag along and hopefully learn and enjoy as he shares what he's going to share. With that, though, we move things over to him. And I would uh, like to introduce you, Eric, to whoever might be listening whenever this might come out. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of your past. Oh, my name is Eric Herrera. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I uh, grew up here all my life, um, just was in a lot of sports, like a, like a lot of like discipline, background, structure, things of that nature, um, but as I got older, uh, kind of steered off that course, so then that's when I joined the military when I was 19, um, did that for about five years. And then little about three years after that, just in the active reserve. Um, but during that time, that's when I became a dad and uh, just took a lot of the life lessons that I learned during the military and growing up and applied it to being a father. Right on, right on. As far as your uh, kids, uh, how many do you have? I have two. Right I have on. a old and a nine-year-old. Okay, so older than mine. Mine, uh, you said eleven and nine. Uh, twelve and nine. Twelve and nine. Mine uh, turned two back in July. So you you've been at it a little bit longer than me. Do you have any plans? Uh, just out of curiosity, to have a third one. Uh, yeah, I do. I actually have one on the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Be uh, another change of pace. For sure. I've always made uh, the joke that a parent that has three or more kids must be a superhero. And that, and then I followed that up with, if you had a superpower, uh, you know, from all of this, from all the running around and, and all the, the raising of the, of those uh, sometimes terrorizing kids, what would your superpower be? Uh, probably reading people's minds. Right on. Just too much, uh, too much going around with people. So yeah, that would kind of help out a lot. I feel that, and it's actually the first time someone's really given an answer that I can agree with. Usually, it's a uh, you know, uh, my superpower is patience, or you know, my superpower is planning, or or whatever. And I'm like, no, man, I want you to say my superpower is like super speed, or you know, flight, or you know, reading minds, or something like. Let's get nerdy with it, but that's cool. That's cool. Uh, remind me again, what branch of the service were you in? Because I, I want to say, but I don't want to be wrong. Uh, I was in the army. I was a combat engineer. Right on. That's actually what I was going to say. That's the branch I was into, uh, military intelligence, uh, intel analyst. My buddy, he, uh, when he's here, uh, he is actually an army veteran too. 
I can't remember exactly what he did. Uh, it escapes me at, at this time, but yeah, anyway, both uh, in for, you know, um, by no means 20 years, but a little bit and then uh, out to, to face the world again. But I usually save this question for later on, I guess, since we've kind of already laid the, the groundwork for it, I'll, I'll go ahead. You, you did your army thing, you came out and then you, you started your family. How do you think that the army, or what we'll say, what was the number one thing do you think the army uh, shaped in you as a father? Um, just the structure, I guess. Uh, that's, I've, I've had that ever since like high school with sports. So it, it was kind of like second nature to me. Um, but yeah, trying to keep that structure, you know, and build off that, like, what is it? Um, giving them the discipline to be a to be more mature and everything like that you know you see like a lot of kids that are just kind of out of control so I never wanted my kids to be that way I always wanted them to act a little older than what they were a little bit more mature because um, people see that and they well don't expect more from you but they uh see that you can handle certain situations and that so it's just like a uh, what is it, like a first impression almost so yeah that's kind of what it is because that's what a lot of things are based on so that's kind of what i instill on my kids to to be about right on that actually kind of brings me into something that i hadn't originally planned to talk about maybe at all but i have been doing this bonus content, so to speak, I guess. It's not real episodes. They're uh, much shorter. But I get a couple of previous uh, guests on, and we talk about mental toughness. I've had a a, a rougher year uh, this past year. Had a couple of people die and uh, just things stemming from that. And it's really made me wonder how mentally tough I am. And so I've been asking dads, you know, are you mentally tough? How did you get it? And how did you, or how do you plan to pass that on and make sure your kids are mentally tough as well? Because I certainly don't want my son to be, you know, 40 years old and, and, and suddenly be like, oh, wow, like I could have been, you know, so much stronger psychologically if my dad had just done this. Um, so with that being said, um, not to get, uh, and, and anything we ask here, you know, just share as much as you want. Don't feel pressured to, to give too much out there. But how uh, do you consider yourself to be mentally tough? And we'll start, we'll start off here. And, and if you do, uh, or if you don't, how did you, how did you build that? How did you get that or not? Uh, high school, no, I was, well, before high school, yeah, I wasn't really that mentally tough. Um, when I got to high school, it got a little bit better, but uh, yeah, the army kind of instilled that in me. Like, they people say like bad things about it all they they turn they turn you into what like a robot or this and that but that's not really what it is it's more like they break you down as a human and then build you back up and that helped a lot especially like well a lot more of my confidence and everything like that and the just the situations that i've been in with the military 
Um, it's something that normal people don't go through and it's kind of that mentally prepared me and it brought me to a mindset later on like facing any kind of situation it's like well no one's dead or no one's hurt so it's not that big of a deal but yeah like a lot of people say like for some reason like I'm cool and calm collected sometimes it's just like that this doesn't compare to other situations that I've been in and I try to instill that on my kids too um it's kind of harder especially with younger minds and everything like that but yeah I mean I I volunteer too for my daughter's teams too that she's a part of so I try to bring that same mindset too because I mean yeah especially like 12 year olds their minds are just very like sensitive and just they don't know who they are yet kind of so it's kind of like trying to build them up trying to break them down a little bit build them up at the same time i can't do it as like the military wise but i still try to instill like talks and everything like that like situations i mean i had a couple of situations this year with a couple of the girls and trying to instill that in life lessons too because you just never know things that happen now can prepare you for things later and you just you might not think it's going to happen now but when you come to it later on you're like oh yeah okay now i get it yeah for sure that those things <laughs> th those are usually <clears throat> excuse me the best lessons because you don't know you're learning them and then they you know they come into play later on in life uh that actually brought up a couple different questions and we'll get to them i guess in the order i wrote them down so yeah you know we were both in the army and we got out you know there's reasons that we're not that we're not still in but even with that being said you know there's more than one thing that i i do miss about the army uh, i miss you know something about it almost every day i was wondering what do you miss about being uh in the army well everyone that's the camaraderie um, yeah, I get that that's what a lot of people say it's a lot easier now um when i jo when i joined the military um like there was no Twitter, there was no um, YouTube, there was hardly any social media like to communicate with. Like we couldn't even video someone back home because I was I was stationed in Germany, so it was kind of hard. The only time we were able to talk to anybody is a phone card, talk on a payphone. Uh, you couldn't talk like this. This was non-existent. Like if this, if there was this, but it's just like static and everything like that. So it's like, it's a lot easier now to connect with guys that I have all across the country. I have friends all over across the country. Some of them are still in, some of them are out, but I'm still able to communicate with them. Um, it's a little bit easier, but still at the same time, it's not that like face-to-face. -face. So like every once in a while, I might see one of them. They might come down or I might go visit. But yeah, it's that camaraderie. And that's also another problem with like soldiers because they'll get out. And they'll think, oh, I miss the army. I miss it. I miss it. No, you really don't miss it. You miss the camaraderie. Once you once you get back in, you're like, oh, this is why I left. So it's like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I really do miss having just all kinds of friends, like honest to God friends around me, you know, just every day. The you know, people that you would literally die for if if you had to. And that is not something that I have 
you know, in my normal day to day now, nowadays, uh, I don't even have those same friends anymore. I got out right before there was a, uh, I got out right before there was a stop loss. And then directly after that, my unit was designated to go to Afghanistan. So they all deployed for a year and I completely lost touch with them. And then once they got back, there was no reconnecting. So I lost like all of those friends and yeah, it, it sucks, but life goes on, you move on, what, what have you. Um, I did want to ask you, you had kids that are, you know, like I said, significantly older than mine, but if you could for a minute kind of step back and look at your child, your children's lives up to now, would you say that, and, and compare this with, with what you uh, expect of, of, of uh, raising a kid, would you expect that, or would you say that parenting has gotten hard for you at times already, you know, like with whatever uh, they might be enduring or going through, or, or do you think that parenting will still get hard, quote unquote, like when they're in their teens or something? Because I feel that at my uh, son's age, parenting simply not hard. You know, I just got to like deal with him screaming when there's nothing I could do and you know, clean up poop and, and things, you know, of that sort. But, you know, at older kids, they can make bigger and bigger mistakes and, you know, things can, can get pretty complicated. So with that, with that being said, do you think that parenting has already started to get hard or is that still to come? Uh, it gets harder and harder, especially, especially now with technology, it's even a hell of a lot worse. Um, even from my parents it's different and now it's even harder it's, yeah the technology just makes it a hundred times harder um deal with it not on a daily basis but with the school especially when i volunteer uh for sports yeah i see it too with my players yeah they, they're not even my kids <laughs> so it's just like it just gets constantly harder and harder and especially um when they get older they have to think about the same things we thought about like high school and uh, college and things like that um but yeah it, it doesn't <laughs> for anyone it doesn't get easier yeah that's pretty much i've already kind of come to grips with that like you know it, it gets harder gradually so you know if like you know if i woke up tomorrow and my son was nine then there might it might be too much for me, you know, it might be simply too much for me to handle. But the fact that I'm going to able to grow with him, you know, three, four, five, six, and, and deal with all those things up until the, you know, nine, 10, it, it will be, uh, I'll be more able to handle it and deal with it. But it's not going to, it's not going to mean that nine and 10 are easy. It's just going to mean that I'm better able to handle, you know, what's going on and, and what I'm dealing with, or what they're dealing with. So, uh, uh, shit, we may have spoke a little bit about this, or it might have just been in my mind. But uh, when you were in the army, did you uh, deploy anywhere? Uh, yeah, I deployed twice. Um, I was in Baghdad from 06, 07, and then I was in a town, well, near a town called Hilla. Uh, it's like an hour and a half south of Baghdad from uh, 08, 09. Okay, so pretty close together. Uh, so I don't know 
I really don't know how you'll answer this question, but I was curious. And I think there might be some listeners that are also curious. How did you go about, you know, when you got back, you know, once again, I don't know how quickly you found out that you were leaving again, but when you got back, how did you readjust to, you know, normal life? Like, was it hard for you to, you know, get like a sleep routine back or was it hard for you to just, you know, go out in normal clothes again? Like, was it, uh, was it all that simple and you just snapped back to it? Um, yeah, uh, I don't remember very really too much of that. It's just, it, 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 you have to get back into routine. So like you're constantly doing stuff. So when you come back, um, it's like a reintegration period. So it's like a two week thing. So like you only have like half a day's you do your medical you do just your paperwork stuff so yeah it, it's not a very good thing because it's only like half a day so you go in in the morning see a couple powerpoints you leave by noon and then you go out drinking because you haven't been drinking for about a year or six months or whatever and that's usually when bad things happen so then like the next day it's like even worse because half the people are hung over i mean there's even there's even times where guys were puking in the middle of the presentations like from the night before oh. so yeah that's like the like the danger period of actually coming back a lot of guys are just guys deal with it differently um me i mean i came back yeah i was drinking uh, of course because i haven't drank in a year and actually being able to just kind of chill out for a little bit is just uh something that we kind of enjoyed i it was much harder my second time back because i came back a little bit early um i i knew like the arms room and everything like that so i came back with ad at um advon uh group and at that time that's when the schwine flu was coming out and and it was started in germany so when we got back a lot of the guys got sick like really sick they had to get quarantined i got mildly sick um I was just like heavy coughing and everything like that. So that integration back was just terrible. Um, but yeah, it's just something we just had to deal with. It it was kind of, it's kind of different because being stationed in Germany, it's almost kind of like being stationed overseas. It's completely different than being stationed in the States. Um, and technically I was literally gone for five years even though I did come back for like two weeks at a time back to the States. Um, it was just like a big thing. You know, like I said, like Twitter wasn't around, YouTube wasn't around, the iPhone wasn't around. It was almost like I was like in a time warp from the time I, when I came back to the States. Um, that was the harder integration period for me um, because it was just a culture shock that just twisted like a five-year span for me so I had to get used to a lot of other things too um yeah it's like I didn't yeah I didn't even I saw the iPhone I'm, I had no idea what it was um until I finally got an iPhone like maybe five years later or something like that and I was like a, like a little kid I felt like an old man because I couldn't even work the dang thing and all and these little kids are just pressing buttons and everything like that no problem so yeah it was that was the more of the harder integration for me 
that actually sounds like a similar story that I've heard from someone who was in prison for a long time when they got out it suddenly, you know, there was Facebook and Twitter and all that. And they were just like, I don't know what's going on anymore. I feel so out of place. Uh, and I'm sure it was maybe a little bit more extreme for them, but it, it did ring a bell, uh, as being really similar. Um, all that stuff, like it had to be jarring to just be like, you know, like <laughs> I was, I living in a cave all that time where, you know, where was I when all this stuff was happening? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that, um, that we've hit most of the questions that I had while we were talking. I know that you had, uh, typically I wait, well, I mean, if we're going by the clock, typically I wait another nine minutes or so, but these things vary from interview to interview. And what I really want to do at this point is get into what you wanted to talk about. You had a message to share. Um, I'm a little hazy because I, I schedule interviews with so many people. So once again, I'm going to be learning, you know, what uh, the thrust of this conversation along with the listener. But I want to give you this time to kind of talk about what it was that you wanted to talk about and get you know that out to the listeners. I want to let you know that we have gotten some really good views from our reels lately. So just know that if you've got some you know heartfelt messages that they're going to be seen by you know as many people as I can get them out to. Um, and even if they're not heartfelt, even if it's just some cold hard wisdom, that'll help too. So, you know, go ahead, take this time and just, you know, freely talk about what it was that you wanted to share. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, I know when I came back, like I said, I said before, I had a hard time coming back. Um, and it was like a 10 year period where I was just dealing with stuff. Uh, it was a lot of drinking and just dealing with my own demons of what happened. Um, we lost a lot of guys. Uh for my first deployment and a lot of them are really good friends um and dealing with that coming back was just hard um it was always like it had it built in i never really talked about what i did um my family kind of knew what i did but they didn't know like the extent of it all um and 10 years after i got back it was like 2019 uh, i just had like a mental breakdown in my kitchen and at that point i was just like you know what i maybe i could start healing now um so then i was just putting my thoughts on paper i was making videos of things that were happening um while i was in and that really wasn't getting out there so then i just yeah started writing and kept writing um and to a point where i wrote my book from my time into the military and um the more i was writing the more i felt better so um it was uh it was just like okay maybe this is something that i could do i never thought about writing anything i was never really a good <laughs> good writer or anything of that nature but i just wrote down what i knew and I got like some help from guys that I was in with and they were telling me stories and I'm like, you got to put this story in, you got to put that story in. And so it's just like, all right, I'll do as best as I can. Um, I put in the, even the times where we lost soldiers. I know it was always like a controversial issue, especially when things were happening. But at that point, I really didn't care. I was just going to tell the truth. 
So I just decided to self-publish um, and keep every word in it and just had my story out there. Um, and that happened over like a six month span. And the message I try to get out there is that no matter how long it takes, you just never know. Um, find that thing that will help you heal. And I never thought writing a book would ever help me heal, but it actually ended up doing that. Um, and after I published it and told all the stories, told everything, I didn't have to carry it anymore. I didn't have nightmares anymore. I quit drinking. Um, it was just something that like that weight was lifted off. I didn't have to carry it anymore. It's all written down. If someone wants to read it, wants to learn about it, they could read it. I don't have to tell the story anymore. I don't have to carry it anymore. So it's just uh, living better. Um, I spend most of the time with my kids now and it's just a lot better. Um, they notice a change in me and I'm just there for them. Uh, it helped me be a better father. Um, I'm not completely healed up. I don't think I'll ever be completely healed, but most of it. Yeah. Um, but that's just the message I was trying to get out there. Oh man, I, as you started talking, I was like, oh yeah, this is about a book, but um, I did not know that it was going to be basically, <clears throat> excuse me, like a journal, like a, you know, a personal diary, uh, but that, that does click with the fact that you got your healing from that, because I've always read and, and been told that journaling is, is usually supposed to be super helpful for depression for anxiety for whatever mental illness you might be enduring and i've never really been super great at journaling i which is weird because i like to write but i don't like to journal so i've not i've not ever got any relief from that but it is awesome to hear that it you know firsthand evidence that it works that it worked for you that if it did work for you it could work for anyone and at the same time you put something out there that is a testament to endurance and resilience and mental toughness and and just basically letting people know that I mean, not to be too generic but you know it is darkest before the dawn and that things can get better and i really do applaud you taking something that was super personal and, and putting that out there for just anybody you know in the world to read and i'm sure that if one person did, then that one person has surely got something from it. Uh, do you have, um, I, I was, when you were, when you were describing it, I was like, should I ask for, you know, his most memorable story or, you know, is, is, is that like, uh, is that just, you know, too predictable, but we'll go with, um, just, uh, I guess if you could give like a, a brief ele elevator pitch is what they call it. You know, just a, a few quick words. Like if I was um, like, if I was an agent that you met in an elevator and you wanted to try to sell the book to me, uh, you know, would you, do you have anything down, you know, as far as like a slogan or, or uh, um, I don't know, some, some sort of like advertising uh, for the book that, that uh, maybe like, you know, how books will have like a tagline on them or whatever that talk about it. Like, do you have anything like that you can share with the, uh, with the listeners to kind of draw them in to get them more likely to buy the book 
Um, you're asking that. I kind of just put that in the title of my book. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's another thing I wrote down is what's the name of the book? Yeah, so, I mean, I have it right here. It's a bomb hunter story, my life clearing the roads of Iraq. So it's like, All right, let me write that down. That's really cool um, artwork. Did you, like, get a, uh, is that, like, some sort of, it looks real. Like, is that a picture or is that, uh, yeah, it's, like, um, true art? It's an emirate. Um, and then I had someone design that for me. I'm not an artist, so uh, <laughs> it was just uh, something I I told them I want them to do, and they put it together nicely, so I have no complaints about it. And it looks really good, and I mean, as superficial as it is, a good cover will help you buy, you know, it'll help you sell books. I, it strikes me seeing that when you look at the cover, does that, like, does that put you back? You know, does that make you think of, like, you know, one, one tour in particular, one night in particular, or is it just like a... a a generic enough picture that it doesn't strike a memory with you yeah it's, it's just a generic picture um it's just those were the vehicles that we drove my second deployment so my second deployment wasn't as memorable as my first one um but uh yeah mo most of my uh rough thing about the book is just yeah my time during high school how i ended up getting in the military and my time in germany both of my deployments um and then after uh after i got out of the military just the different phases and why i left um just how my mind changed from when i started to when i finished uh it's just as real as i can make it is every single thought i have if you want something real um like raw emotion that's what it is um i know uh <laughs> i know when i gave it to my mother she didn't read it at first she's just like i don't think i want to read it but she ended up doing it i know a couple people like breezed through it because they couldn't put it down i know a couple people had to stop because it just got a little bit too real um it was just that was just something that I didn't want to hold back because if I held something back, then I would regret it. I didn't want to have any regrets. And then <laughs> when I finally did publish it, um, I had people that <laughs> were in my unit that I never even talked to uh, try to contact me. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that because I know what certain people did and what were their rules and different things. I'm just not going to give them the satisfaction or trying to make up for whatever they did. So I just left it everything in the book. Sounds like it's some, some cold honesty there. Uh, I'm actually really intrigued to read it. I will have to, to look that up. I was wondering though, where would I get it if I wanted it? It's on Amazon. So paperback. And then also it's in the Kindle version. Um, okay. I wanted to do a video book, but, um, like, uh, that's like a whole nother world <laughs> to do do audio for it um so yeah but uh i'd stop trying to do that but those are the two ways you could get it right on uh, i mean just from a complete stranger if you wanted to do to do an audio book i think you've got the voice to do it yourself if you wanted to so you probably cut down on some expenses that way uh yeah. i'm sure that it's not like I don't know how much it costs to self-publish a book, but I feel like it's probably as expensive or more expensive to do an audio book. So if you're doing it yourself, at least you're not paying somebody. 
Um, did I have? Oh, yeah, I was wondering. So you you say that you basically left it all in there, but did you when when you you know finished the book when you sent it off to be uh, you know put on Amazon published? Was it, did anything pop up where you were like, oh man, like I forgot this or I forgot that? such that you feel like maybe you could write another book? Yeah, I did leave stuff out because um, a lot of the, well, some of the people that are in the book are still in. <laughs> so some stories I couldn't put in. Um, I didn't want to jeopardize their careers or in any way whatsoever. So yeah, um, I always thought about that, but I wouldn't, wouldn't know how I would go about it since I already laid the groundwork for this. Probably the other one would just be stories of different things. Um, but yeah, I try to put as much stories, funny stories, bar stories, <laughs> things that happen downrange. So it's just like, it's all um, big ball of twine of different things. Uh, well, I mean, as soon as you were saying this book full of army stories, I'm like, well, there's got to be some action in there. So I'm all about that. As far as uh, the writing side of things now uh, you've got a book published you've got a book out there you, you know you've done it is there any desire for you to write anything else you know a fantasy story science fiction anything like that I thought about it um I just don't know where I would start as <laughs> the thing um I think it would be doing more for military uh families and purposes like that um because uh it was down the road we ended up uh we ended up finding like a humvee a military humvee that was from the ohio national guard and um we ended up taking it to car shows we were just doing it just to you know just shoot the breeze with people but the thing that just happened like spontaneously was i got a lot of veterans that came up to me and would say oh yeah i remember that um and they would all of a sudden just open up about their time in the military especially and like vietnam vets too would come and just start talking vietnam vets don't like to talk about anything i was gonna and, say like they were and, talking to yeah so like they would just randomly come up and just like yeah it's like you remember this and just start telling random stories it was just something that i realized that was happening and it was just like you know what this actually kind of does help especially you never know who's going to come up it helps them i i had an incident one time it was a young guy he just got out of the military um he was there with his uncle and his uncle was a mechanic and he was a mechanic in the military the the young guy and he was showing his uncle like this is what i worked on they were they had to have been around the vehicle for at least 45 minutes they were even under the vehicle he was showing his uncle it was a, like what this is and what that is and it was just like it was like heartfelt because it, all of a sudden it was just like a moment between just two family members off of something that they never expected that was going to happen and that's when I kind of realized we brought it to more car shows and then we realized we we're getting more and more of these stories so it was just like some spontaneous thing that also would help veterans because you know there's always veterans out there and they just don't show them that they are but when this comes out then they start telling their stories and then they feel a lot better and if something like that i could give back yeah that's worth it all i totally feel you know as far as the it's i can't think of 
many things that are harder than getting a veteran to open up and talk. But everyone I've talked to always says that after they're done, that they always feel better about it. So it's if if you can do something like that, that you can be involved somehow in, you know, letting them get their like like basically what I'm doing, you know, letting them get their story out, then I, you know, I wholly support that. Uh, whatever, you know, I can't think of anything other than what you're already doing, but at which keep on keeping on. But there's, you know, there's so many veterans that are just, they don't get the help. They don't get the support. They don't get the, the friendship, you know, that, that we all need. And I just feel like it's sad and I don't think it's going to change, but if nothing else, then other veterans can, you know, do our part to help out. And I'm, you know, it's good to meet somebody that's that's doing that, that's picking up the slack, and and helping out where they can. I uh, would be more than happy to to get you back on if you, you know, have anything else that you want to share. If anything, you know, pops up, or as far as like, oh, uh, in terms of another book, did you ever think about taking some of these stories that you're that you're getting, changing the names and putting those into a book? Um stories that are already in it or just like like these stories that um some of these veterans are telling you at these car shows like you know uh changing his name to whatever and then you know putting that putting that story in in another book have you ever thought about anything like that um no it's just uh, i i wouldn't i wouldn't even think about doing i'm just there to listen just lending an ear um I I have no, I mean, I have nothing to gain from it. I'm just trying to give back. And I found a way to spontaneously to help veterans in my own way. And that's just something that I enjoy doing. If they want to tell me a little story about something, go ahead. If it makes them feel better, brings a little smile on their face. Yeah, I do it for them. I mean, it's all, it's all them. I just give it a little bit of a push, so to say. It's cool that it was something that you didn't have to manipulate or try to make happen. It, it just kind of fell into place, you know, based on things that you were already doing. And, you know, it just so happens that you get the benefit of actually helping people while you're doing it. So I guess that kind of does bring us down here to the end. As I said, these things will change in time as, as the topics and the, and the interviewee changes but before we do get out of here uh did want to give you this time at the end to i guess basically to share anything else that you had uh held back or that you had yet to to get out uh no the only thing is i do a tiktok um it's sapper 720 so s-a-p-p-e-r 720 um I just do a lot of military military things on there, um, and just little funny things. Uh, I even tell some some stories that I didn't even tell in my book because there's always something that pops up in the news or anything like that. So it just just give like a funny aspect to it or what's actually going through the mind of actual veterans when those situations arise. Right on. Then I'll definitely follow you there. I I don't I don't um watch a lot of videos on TikTok because I don't know a lot of those people. But if I'm following somebody that I actually have some sort of relationship with, then I definitely I will watch things that they post. So 
I'll follow you there and, and definitely give whatever you put out a, a listen. And there will be, there will come a time if you're at all active that you will see at least a couple reels from this appear on TikTok. So you'll get to see yourself uh, become internet famous. I had one guy tell a story about um, he, he, he wasn't like super specific about um, the relationship beyond the guy was a friend of his that was also in the military and he was deployed to Iraq. Uh, well, he was deployed to Afghanistan, I believe it was. And he stepped on an ID, IED, blew off his leg uh, up to the knee. But he had so much, you know, they'd invested so much in his training, which take that for what it's worth. I don't know if that means he was special forces or, or whatever, that they, they gave him the chance to recertify with a prosthetic and to come back. And so he did that and he came back and he deployed again to Iraq. And he went out and stepped on an IED again. And as soon as it went off, this, uh, this huge group of uh, Taliban came rushing over the hill, firing shots at, at him and his, uh, his platoon. And the guy said that he was uh, so mad that he had lost the same leg twice that he jumped back up and started firing shots back at him and scared him so bad that they all turned around and ran away. And <laughs> the... I, I don't do it justice, but that um, that reel went like viral. It was crazy. It's gotten almost six hundred thousand views. So there will, uh, you know, hopefully be something that we share here that strikes a chord, and you know, and, and gets you some uh, some people checking you out and you know jumping over there on your profile and you know uh, coming acquainted with who you are and, and your book and, and that sort of thing. If I can, uh, you know, help. Uh, drive traffic your way then all the better i kind of yeah i kind of have a story that I put in that in the book um yeah because i never told you yeah we used to do route clearance so what we would do is we would clear the roads of the ieds so that was our job we would just drive five miles an hour down the road look for these ieds um i don't know we did a night mission one time and uh you you could see us from miles away because we got these giant lights on our vehicles. So you obviously know that we're coming. And uh, I think it was like one mission. We um, we decided that we were going to have a couple Humvees out and then blackout. So the convoy would go up. We would hang back a little bit, you know. Um, but there's this big, huge, like, highway intersection in the middle of Baghdad. And we were... Um, underneath one of the off-ramps, just sitting there, you know, in blackout, watching the patrol go around. And we noticed behind us that there was a supply convoy coming in. And we we're like, no, we're, we can't. We, we got to get out of the way because we don't want, first of all, the supply convoy to like run into us when we're in blackout, or we don't want them to give up our position. And so my driver, he, he peeled off. We went over to, uh, a different uh section of the highway as the convoy was coming by an ied went off and it was actually in the spot we were sitting in it it blew up um it blew up a tanker and uh we're like holy shit like we didn't we didn't see it because we were in blackout obviously and it was underneath the off-ramp so it was like stuffed underneath there and when it blew up we we're like holy crap, we were literally sitting on top of this thing. And obviously someone was watching because it detonated. Someone had to have detonated nearby because it went off on the tanker. 
And that was one, it's one thing that was a big controversy while we we're out there. And I talk about the situations afterwards and during, and I'm like, yeah, we were literally sitting on top of an IED for at least about five, 10 minutes. Didn't even know it was there. And this convoy goes in the same as the X spot and gets blown up. So like it helped us out that we're actually in blackout, but at the same time, we didn't see it. Wow. That's crazy. It's like, did he, like so so you think you think he just didn't know you were there no because we were it was completely dark middle of the night there's no street lights nothing so i mean uh, you can't see anything on the highway unless you see our big lights but they obviously know who we are because of we're the only ones that have certain vehicles so they're not going to waste an ied on us because we have more protective armor on our vehicles so they weren't going to waste it on us. They might as well waste it on a, t on a fuel tanker. So, okay. boy, but yeah, it was just like, <laughs> wow, that's crazy, man. <laughs> that story. And my mom wrote, wrote, read that one. She was just like, I just want to kill you. I'm like, well, <laughs> that's one of the crazy things we ended up doing. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't think of any details, but there's more than one story I've heard where it's basically like, you know, if I had been one step to the left or if I had waited five more minutes, like I wouldn't be here today. I, I, I bet, I mean, I, I, the best I got, well, I say the best, I don't know that I would definitely or necessarily want to de uh, describe it a deployment as best or worst, but the only real deployment I got was to Bosnia. So my uh, anxiety, my tension level was a lot lower than, than yours was basically on any given day. But I feel like for you, at least the way I envision it, that it was like every single day, somebody, like maybe even in your own unit, somebody was like, almost died today. Like, I just missed it today. And, you know, like it just every day, someone different is like, yeah, almost died, almost died. Like, it's just got to be crazy how people are just like, like, you know, one person like narrowly misses death like half a dozen times. And then, the, you know, the, the next person over like walks outside and gets hit by a sniper or something. It's just the whole thing is just insane but um, yeah i know like um I, I, me personally i've been blown up two or three times but i've had guys in my unit in my platoon four or five times and it gets to a point where it's like you have to laugh it off if you don't laugh it off then you're just gonna stick in your mind and it was just a it's like a weird sick thing about it that that's how we coped with it we had to laugh it off it was just otherwise we wouldn't be able to go out the next day it was just that that mentality that we had yeah that, i've read about that too uh, i was just listening to a podcast about those guys the uh i don't know a soccer player or soccer team rugby team something like that but their plane crashed in the andes and they um had to like eat the dead people to survive and they basically the survivors basically said that one of the only things or i guess the most important thing that got them through was that they were able to somehow still laugh at certain situations that they were in, in certain parts of, of what they were dealing with. And that, uh, that dark humor actually helped them keep from going crazy. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that it's, you know, I'm sure that there's differences or what have you, but I, I feel like that is basically like what you're talking about. Like if you couldn't laugh at it, then it's gonna eat away at you until, you know, you just snap. So yeah. it, it's, uh, the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, I don't think I could have handled it. <laughs> I don't think I could have handled it. 
Um, I just, the, the idea of being separated from, like you're basically separating from life for a full year and inserting yourself in a new life. And then hoping, just hope, because, you know, in the army that we, we got deployed, not me, but like the army would get deployed repeatedly. So you, you do that year and then the year's over and you're like, man, I hope I don't have to do that again. But inevitably, you know, like seemingly seems like nine times out of 10, the guys that go have to go back again, just the way it was with you. And I just, I think about that and it just like, like I will still have nightmares sometimes where I've like re-enlisted and I don't know why I'm re-enlisted, but I'm, I'm back in and I'm deployed so I can't go AWOL and um, it's just like a horror and, and I don't know, you know, why I've made this decision. I don't know how to get out of it. And I feel like that's like, that's the dream version of, of a real deployment because it, you know, you wake up and it's like, fuck dude, there's like 279 more days until I can go back and see the people I love, the people I care about. And, you know, it's a, you're risking your life day after day after day. And it, I just, I'm, I, I'm very grateful that I did not have to endure it. And at the same time, it, the respect I have for the people that did, it, it's just enormous. I may, I mean, maybe even like, like I might blow it out of proportion just because I feel like it would be so much harder for me, but at the same time, like, you know, much respect to you for going through that sort of thing twice. It's just, it's no, in, in my mind, it's no easier than any other deployment in, in, in any other war. I think that you guys endured difficulties that were just as hard or harder than anybody from World War II to Vietnam. And the fact that you're able to live, uh, you know, from what little I know, presumably a normal life being uh, what appears to be a, a really good dad. I mean, taking an active uh, role in your kids' lives. That's just, you know, that's, that's really to be commended. And I don't know if anybody's told you lately, but uh, you're, you know, you're doing really good. And I am, um, you know, I, I guess I'm just like, I'm glad to know that somebody had, you know, has, uh, has a success story and that, that, you know, I, we didn't get on here and, you know, I found out that you were not doing good and I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, you've got issues. We've all, we all do. Um, even though, even like me, the ones that didn't really deploy anywhere, but, you know, uh, to know that you've got, you know, your life basically on track, it's, it's really encouraging and, and really uh, makes me feel, you know, signing off. It makes me feel optimistic. So I'm glad that we were able to talk and I'm glad that, uh, you know, you shared your story with me. Uh, with the end here, I do, well, we, when I have my co-hosts, we will always try to end the show on a high note, on a, on a like with a laugh, because sometimes we do talk about some pretty serious stuff. So we've got one guy, he's got himself a, uh, it's one of those uh, WWE belts that you buy from Walmart, and he calls himself the, uh, the dad joke champion. Well, I'm not the dad joke champion, but I do have a, a, a joke that I'm going to share uh, here to, to send us off. I uh, looked for the, the one that was funniest to me, and maybe you've heard it before. It seems like we've never told a joke that someone's not heard before, but uh, with that being said, uh, a man had been drinking at a bar all night and pukes down the front of his shirt. He says, shit, I can't go home like this. My wife will kill me. The bartender sees this and says, put a $20 bill in your pocket. And when she sees the puke, tell her some drunk puked on you and gave you $20 for dry cleaning. So the guy thanks him. He goes home. Immediately, his wife sees the puke on his shirt and she asks what happened. 
And he replies, a drunk guy puked on me and he gave me $20 to pay for dry cleaning. And his wife says, okay, then, well, why do you have $40 in your hand? Because he also shit in my pants. <laughs> and uh, that was the funniest joke that I could find in about five minutes. So at least it got a laugh out of you. I'm, I'm typically like, I don't know, like uh, all of these interviews make me anxious, but for some reason, telling the joke at the end is like something that I usually just avoid. I just don't even say them. But these last two times I've tried to throw out one. So I'm glad that I got a chuckle. Uh, but that does bring us down here to the end. Um, I just want to thank you again, Eric, for coming on here, man. You've been really open. You've uh, you, you even gave us a really cool story. So uh, glad to hear that. And I'm uh, you know glad to to get your message out there. I know that just like always, I'm going to be a little bit better person, a little bit uh, maybe in this case, uh, in particular, a little bit mentally tougher when I think about you know what you've gone through and and how you've uh, you know bounced back and 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 made good on that. So it's always nice to be able to have. I mean, I don't want to like put any pressure on you, but like you know, basically a role model to kind of look to when uh, you know when I need to, it, I don't have just one, so not too much pressure, but it, it's nice to know that uh, there are people that have gone through much worse than me and that are doing uh, as good or better. So that is really encouraging. And, uh, and thanks again for coming on the show. Uh, if you know, like I said, if you ever want to come on back, if you've got anything else you want to talk about, anything else you want to share, uh, usually with my other co-hosts, we will get more into uh, like dad specific things like, you know, like, what was your latest dad win and you know things like that but when it's just me things tend to be more like i guess i guess it varies with the guests but in your particular case it was always going to be more army focused so that's just how it, you know it went out that day and and uh, hopefully the people like it if they don't i'll never know because i get zero feedback <laughs> i get listens but I get zero feedback. Like um, I've had like three people maybe say, you know, something positive about the show. I get reviews, but almost no actual, or like, like the five-star reviews. But as far as like people typing out words, I almost never get that. So I just assume that they like everything I do and uh, that they, they have nothing to complain about. So uh, anyways, um, just one last time to, to uh, you know, let you say your goodbyes and, and get anything else out there to the listeners. Uh, before we say goodbye uh no that's but i uh, appreciate you having me on right on man i do appreciate you coming and uh once again i've got that uh book title wrote down here and i've got your tiktok uh whatever it is handle channel i don't know what they call them but i'll be uh, giving those a look and i've got a kindle behind the laptop here so i, I might be buying a new book who knows um but with that being said uh from all of us here at your two dads uh we will uh, thank you for coming and we'll check you later. Okay, let's go to town. Well, we having fun or what? I thought we were going to town. Uh, that's as close to town as I like to get.